Welcome to the Metal Tech Podcast, this region's leading business podcast, shining a light on technology, entrepreneurship, and the future of business in Kentucky and beyond. Our goal is to advance the ecosystem by bringing attention to the founders, changemakers, innovators, and those supporting them. Middle Tech's content can be found on your favorite podcast streaming app, social channels, and YouTube. We encourage you to follow and participate in the conversation. Let's discuss and build the future. All right, guys, welcome back to season four of the Middle Tech Podcast here. You've got Logan Jones and Evan Knowles recording out of the Awesome Studio. And we just recorded an awesome episode with Colby Hall, who is the new executive director of an organization called SOAR. That stands for Shaping Our Appalachian Region. Uh, and this was a really cool episode because we got to dive into uh, all the intricacies about bringing uh, Eastern Kentucky up to speed in relation to the rest of the region, the rest of the country. Um, and this is a topic we've discussed multiple times on our episodes with uh, App Harvest and our episode with New Frontier. And, you know, Colby and I actually have a, a bit of a personal connection from back in college. Um, I, I know his brother pretty well as well. And as soon as I saw that he was named executive director of SOAR, I knew that they had picked the perfect person to do that. And I think that'll be very clear in this episode as you hear him talk and you can hear the passion in his voice. And as Colby calls it, we're both sons of Eastern Kentucky. Uh, so they couldn't have picked a better person for this position. And uh, it was an awesome conversation. You could just hear how much passion he has for what he's working on as he spoke. Yeah. We talked about uh, what SOAR is and the role that they're playing in the region, uh, what Eastern Kentucky has historically struggled with. Uh, so they've struggled with a lot of things, particularly the decline of the coal industry. So we kind of covered that history, uh, which is really important to understand. You know, context around what's going on there is important. It's not you know, fair to them to just cast judgment. You got to understand what's happened in the past and how they've gotten where they are and how they're going to get out of this. Uh, we talked about internet and the importance of that and why that's a major priority uh, of Colby's. Uh, we talked about how to foster entrepreneurship. Uh, so entrepreneurship is not something that you can foster quickly. It takes uh, generations to foster. And so we talked a bit about that. Um, we also finally, to, to wrap up the conversation, talked about, you know, where the region's heading. So what's he doing? Uh, to take it into the future and what that future looks like is what we talked about there. And I really thought Kobe did a, a great job uh, being an ambassador for the region. He spoke sure. you know, very um, intelligently about what the history was because he's from there. He knows it very well. Uh, but he spoke very passionately about you know, where it's hitting, what his, what his work uh, actually is composed of. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'll give Kobe a shout out on this as well. This is a genuine fan and, and listener of Middle Tech. He referenced several of our episodes and what he took away from those episodes during this conversation, which just made us feel really cool and important. So thank you, Colby, for that uh, as you're listening to this. And we're going to go ahead and dive into this. We think you guys are really going to enjoy it. All right, guys. So before we dive into these interviews, we just want to take a second to highlight our sponsors. They're going to be sponsoring season four of the Middle Tech Podcast. Uh, so the first one we're going to go over is Land Betterment Corporation. So they're going to be sponsoring, like I said, all of season four. And they're working hard to bring sustainable developments to uh, Eastern Kentucky, places that need it so badly. What they're doing is taking old and abandoned uh, coal mines and strip mines and putting sustainable businesses in their place that can help support those communities. So definitely go and check them out. Their website is landbetterment.com. They're doing some awesome things in this region. Yeah. Next, we've got uh, Brandon Johnson. So I've personally worked with Brandon Johnson. Uh, he is a lawyer and attorney that works with uh, businesses, specifically you know, startups in this region. Uh, he is from Kentucky. He's from Fordsville, Kentucky. He got his law degree from the University of Louisville. Uh, he's worked with Papa John's, Louisville Slugger, Instagram influencers that are making millions of dollars, real estate investors, you name it. Uh, but he loves what he does. He really loves helping small businesses, helping entrepreneurs get the right footing. Uh, because one of the most important parts of starting your business, if you're serious about it, is getting an attorney, making sure that all of your documents, incorporation documents, uh, operating agreements, shareholder agreements, things of those nature are in check. And Brandon is there to help you with that. And again, I've worked with him uh, and he does a great job. He makes it fun. He's very personable and I enjoy uh, working with him. So we appreciate him for, for sponsoring this season. All right, go ahead and dive into it. All right, guys, welcome back. We are sitting here with a good friend of mine, Colby Hall, the new executive director of SOAR, which stands for Shaping Our Appalachian Region. Colby, thank you for joining us today. 
Hey, it's good to be here, Logan. Yeah, this is one I've been really excited about. So uh, we're actually in the same fraternity, had a lot of common connections throughout uh, throughout Kentucky and Lexington. Uh, and as soon as I saw your name pop up as executive director of SOAR, I was like, this is the guy that he's going to do it. So super excited to dive into this conversation and talk about your background and, and what you're hoping to accomplish at SOAR and, and what SOAR's mission is in the first place. Because I feel like a lot of our listeners may not even be aware of, of what yeah. SOAR's trying to accomplish. So we're really excited to dive into this. Uh, and talk about where Kentucky's going into the future. Um, so to start this conversation, let's just start with your background uh, prior to SOAR, um, where you grew up, and then your educational background. We'll go from yeah, there. of course. Well, first, you know, thanks for having me, you know, Evan and Logan. It's really great to uh, to be here. I've been an avid listener, as I told you guys, and it's been awesome to see your, your kind of evolution from, from day one and, and getting into this great studio with all this pretty legitimate looking equipment here. Fancy stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, Shout it's, out it's, awesome. It's, it's, it's big time. And, uh, obviously doing it in another Kentucky innovation hub, like, uh, awesome Inc. And, mm-hmm. uh, which is what store is for the Eastern part of the state. So it's, uh, it's really good to be here and, and I'm excited to, to talk with you today. So, uh, obviously my background, um, and too, Logan, you being a son of Eastern Kentucky, uh, as, as well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm from Eastern Kentucky. I'm, I'm born and raised in, in Somerset and, and, and kind of grew up in the region. And so, um, you know, I, Again, we I've I've heard you guys talk about it, just the kind of the the innate pride that people have born here, and I can't really put a finger on it. I've tried to explain it to other people, but you guys are you know probably fortunate that you've gotten out and seen a bit of the world and traveled, and it's it's unique to us, man. I mean, I, I made that comment today. I mean, think of the area code six hundred six. I mean, people really like we gather around, yeah, yeah. And I can't think of another area code. I know uh, exactly I, I, about I know eight five nine. Yeah, and I mean, no disrespect to 270, but 606, <laughs> that people rally around that, yeah. which I think is really cool. And so I think I bought into that. And um, so I, you know, came up, I graduated, went to public school, you know, graduated from UK. Um, it's kind of one of those things, man, when you're from a small town in Kentucky and you do well in school, you're kind of naturally, hey, go be a doctor, go be a lawyer. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with either of those professions. But I went to UK and, and kind of came across uh, a serial entrepreneur, Nate Morris, who's in the Entrepreneur Hall of Fame. And he was kind of the first guy to open my open my eyes to a, a potential, you know, new pathway that I hadn't thought about, you know, as far as, you know, kind of being in a, a startup, uh, a technology startup sales, uh, something that have a history of it in my family and a sales career could be a great springboard for, I mean, sales isn't everything. Right. And so, you know, after graduation, I, uh, I spent a year uh, teaching English in um, in Spain, in Ibiza, no Spain. Yeah. <laughs> In a visa, visa uh, had no That's idea. A... But, hey, listen, guys, I'm from Somerset. <laughs> I'm from I'm from Somerset. So, house music, all that stuff. Uh, and, and and to top it off, you know, when they sent me my assignment, you know, it was spelled, you know, because they don't technically Spanish or Castellano, what they call it over there, is, not, is the second language in a visa because it's uh, uh, Ibizenco, it's it's Catalan. Mm-hmm. So they sent me how they spell it in Catalan. I was like, where the where the heck is this place? <laughs> so I put it in, and then I quickly saw where it was. Um, you talk about a great year, though. I mean, oh it was such God. a... Oh, sure. Um, and honestly, had a lot of similarities. I mean, the Mediterranean Sea aside to Somerset and the fact of it was a small town. Yeah. Because it was this air, this this island that had a boom for six months out of the year for, for, for <laughs> tourism. And then outside of that, kind of died down. And so mm-hmm. I got a chance being in the schools, teaching English, which that's funny because they're all, they're all used to British English over there. So I'm bringing Kentucky English over there. <laughs> and uh, I got a chance to really get ingrained with the community. And so... I think I've got a lot of little kiddos over there running around with Kentucky shirts on That's and uh, awesome. still keeping. And so, That's a cool story. I, yeah, it's, it's, it did. It was a, it was an awesome year. Big house um, music fan now. And not to be hyperbolic here. It really did kind of change my life because that type of like positive energy, dude, it's yeah. life changing, man. Yeah. It's life changing. Yeah. And uh, it took me a little bit to get used to it over there, but it's wild. Dude, I, I didn't get into it until I started going to the music festivals. Like I was listening to it here and there, but it was more of like the pop EDM. Yeah. But once I started going to music festivals and I got that feeling of being around 100,000 other people yeah. at the same time listening to it, like mm. that was when I yeah. and I mean, really I started mean, getting into it. Probably still am better now, but I'm a horrible dancer, very same, little same rhythm. But, but you can just you can move to it. Dude, and you know? that's one of the lessons. I kept, I tried to keep a vlog over there. I had like three posts and, and, and I tried to, it was a way to practice, you know, Spanish, but over there, dude, it doesn't matter. They don't pay attention to that. They just get out there and, and you're move in your own around. Zone. Yeah, dude. And so you're in your own zone. it was, uh, it was awesome. And, and, uh, you know, my friends made fun of me, but, uh, I got really into it and <laughs> I, I would love to one day, I mean, it takes such an art to, Isn't that a dream? to just travel and, around and, 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 and have it on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
and and being the guy that can rock the ox core but also pull it out and so uh <laughs> so it was it was an incredible year uh something i'll never forget and made a lot of really awesome friends and um had a really chance to kind of be a cultural ambassador and i don't, mm. I don't mean that in a way that i'm not saying i'm the only guy that could represent you know sure. kentucky or eastern kentucky that's kind of what it felt like because yeah they never really dealt with yeah, they don't get many people from yeah, kentucky over there or america for that for matter, sure because yeah. it's kind of far away and so that was a really cool experience you know pretty much their their extended knowledge of kentucky was kfc <laughs> and even then a lot of people didn't have that because you know kfc is branded as mm. kind of taking the kentucky out of it, it's just kfc but yeah. Yeah, so I had a chance to obviously talk about our legacy industries like horse racing and bourbon, and bourbon's getting bigger over there. But even too, just the mountains, and you know, when you it's it, again, that's a lesson too. When you talk about somebody without any preconceived notions or ideas or perceptions of Kentucky and specifically Eastern Kentucky, yeah. somebody that's a blank slate, it's really easy to get them excited yeah, about about where sure. we're from. Oh, I would do the same thing. I got to travel to Spain. Yeah, actually, just. Uh, two summers ago now doing some uh, study abroad stuff and we we actually went to Ibiza and anyone that I would, I would meet abroad yeah I would always just talk about how awesome Kentucky was it was, it was so fun for me to talk yeah. about with no preconceived notions yeah. I know we're going to get into this like stigma that it seems to have in America but when you could talk to somebody that knew nothing about Kentucky yeah your heart gets racing yeah it's like it's... something and, and there's this quote that I and that I want to try not to butcher here and I forget who says it but it essentially goes everyone that I've met from Kentucky is either talking about yeah. going back or on their way back to Kentucky. Yeah. And it's so true. Like when there's just something in the water here about yeah. loving this state so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about your professional career. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Yeah. Sorry. I might've went no, too, no, too no, far, absolutely. too far back, but Ibiza's fun yeah, I got, yeah, I do that. <laughs> Literally we, we could talk about that for forever, but uh, I got back and kind of reconnected with Nate and, and moved to it, moved to Atlanta. Uh, it's kind of nice. one of those moves though, to, to what the quote you just said, right? You're, you know, new long-term, I wanted to be back, but unfortunately, and it's a problem we have is sometimes that, you know, you have to leave, um, to go out and, and, and get the experiences and the, 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 the knowledge and, and the development. And so I knew that's what I was looking for in Atlanta. And so I went down and, and worked at Rubicon Global, which is a, a startup in the waste space there. And that was kind of my first job, first sales job, and then went to work for a company called Orderly, which was, a, a SaaS company. It was an app for restaurants to help them kind of improve processes in the back of the house. Um, and then my, uh, kind of my last stop before I came back to Kentucky was, uh, uh, in the logistics world, um, uh, it was a company called FLS transportation and, um, had a chance to kind of come in there and, and kind of revamp their, um, how they acquired customers, uh, kind of their entire sales process and moved them to more of a traditional kind of SaaS model where you have lead generation that feeds a, a group of, you know, salespeople that are focused on closing and segmentation and specialization. And so, but, you know, when this opportunity popped up, you know, I just went all in from it, all in on it. And uh, so that happened in August and I moved back beginning of November. And now I'm a Floyd County resident working in Pikeville, kind of traveling around eastern Kentucky, man. So Heck that's yeah. kind of where, where I am. Nice. Awesome. So that that professional background, um, how did that prepare you, know, you for what you're doing now? You had mentioned, I imagine, a lot of your job is sales. Yeah. Uh, so talk about what your your past. Yeah, well, you for. I think one, you know, in this just being from being from Eastern Kentucky. I mean, I think for the job that I'm doing, it takes somebody that has that natural passion um, and deep understanding for some of the big problems that we're trying to solve. So, you know, I think it would have been difficult for me, even with the same background, if I couldn't say that I was the son of Eastern Kentucky or from here, I think that would have made me less qualified because yeah. we just naturally understand kind of how it works. Um, it's not to say that somebody from outside couldn't, but it's just, that was an important thing. But, you know, I think in sales, Right. What I like about sales is your performance is directly tied to the value that you create for your customers and all stakeholders. Um, mm -hmm. It's very white and black. It comes down to it. There's no excuses. You're given a number. You're expected to hit it. And it's how it is in the private sector overall. And so I think that experience, you know, shows that as I take the helm of SOAR, and I spend a lot of time thinking about it, it needs to be very crystal clear who we are, what we do, and the value that we bring. Um, we don't need to be a ceremonial organization. We need to be focused on driving real results, um, you know, leading the charge from a regional standpoint um, as an organization. And so to me, that's probably the biggest takeaway coming from a sales background. And to, I would say, the important process, mm -hmm. process, process, process. You know, you have to you have to have a process and SOPs written out for everything that you do or you're at risk of kind of losing yourself and losing focus. And everything ultimately has to tie back to the outcomes that you're hoping to drive. And so kind of start there and kind of work your way back. But, you know, as I take hold of a team, I want to make sure I empower them with the right processes that, that can change, 
right? But, you know, I, I want all my team every time they come in to understand what's expected of them and how they're going to be evaluated mm-hmm. and kind of what they're doing. And so, and I would say being very outcome-based, value-based and process-oriented are probably the two biggest takeaways I could take from having a, a background in sales that's going to help me in my new role. Nice. Yeah. What about like right now made you want to take this role? I mean, uh, you know, were there thoughts of staying in Atlanta a little longer? Why right now and why, you know? Not, no, not really. Yeah. I, I, listen, I loved Atlanta. Atlanta's yeah. a great city, um, but my heart's here. Um, I'm passionate about being from this state. Um, I also think there's a massive opportunity yeah. in Appalachia, Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky. Um, obviously, the pandemic has, has brought challenges um, to everybody, but if anything, we're now in the same boat as everybody else trying to figure out what in the world to do with it. And uh, we have so much natural beauty, um, natural assets, to, to talk, but the people, man, the people of Appalachia, um, there's so much potential. You know, I, I think about all the different things in the history, and Appalachia has such an amazing history as I've tried to read up on it as much as I can and being from there. And I would encourage anybody listening to go and, and to research the, the, just the history and the rich history of, of the ups and downs and the trials and tribulations. But largely, we've had a, a, we have a, a, a people that are extremely hard workers um, their, their, their ingenuity, their natural ability to, I, I mean, survive and, and, and move forward while still getting punched in the mouth. I mean, it's, it's something a lot of areas don't have, but you know, the way I see it, that's that standard, just surviving and getting by is not good enough. And I think we have a great opportunity. Um, it, it's a great place to be. It's the underdog yeah. and everybody wants to root for the underdog and everybody wants the underdog to be successful. And so, you know, we have a great opportunity as capital, as people, are kind of moving away from some of these traditionally dominant areas on the coasts. And I've heard you guys talk about that theme a lot, the coast versus middle America. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think Eastern Kentucky is competitive on a lot of, so I, I just, I saw the opportunity nice. and I wanted to be a part of it. And awesome. Yeah. Here I am. Perfect time. So let's, uh, let's move into SOAR. So yeah. let's start by just saying, what is SOAR? Yeah. And then we'll dive into the mission as well. Well, SOAR start, stands for shaping our Appalachian region Mm -hmm. uh, is what SOAR stands for. And so it was a special regional organization created in partnership in 2013 with Congressman, current Congressman uh, Hal Rogers in the fifth district and uh, then governor Steve Bashir, who's Mm -hmm. Kentucky's governor's current is uh, Andy Bashir's dad. Mm -hmm. And so really the, the the impetus behind starting it was um, the, the decline in the coal industry, specifically the thermal coal industry. And, um, Again, if you look at the history of the region, there's been natural ups and downs. Um, the, the part that was unique, and I'll, I'll give you some numbers, you know, just looking at Pike County, for example, I can tell you that from Q3 2011 to Q3 2020, there was about an 80% decline in coal employment in that specific county. It's about an, it's a little higher as far as the, the, the amount of production of thermal coal. So it was this massive, massive drop off in what had traditionally been the base employment for the region, the, the, everything stemmed around and not just coal, but the price of coal. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and what made this bus different from the previous bus as you look at the market, um, it's a lot of market forces. There there was some increased regulation from the federal government as far as emissions, specifically mercury emissions, but really it's the energy revolution that's happened in America since, uh, not fracking, but really horizontal drilling, that's allowed America to be the swing producer for energy across the world. Natural gas mm-hmm. became much more affordable. So yeah. it, there was no market play for coal anymore. Yeah. Um, it was much more expensive. And so it kind of left this massive void in Eastern Kentucky and people were doing something about it, but there was no one regional organization to be the voice for rewriting the script for Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia, Kentucky. And so that's when SOAR was created. And uh, the original working group focused around seven kind of key areas, which we'll head on, you know, some on to today, but it was to be the the one regional organization mandated for rewriting that script around what does the new normal, how do we create prosperity in Eastern Kentucky when coal is not part of the equation, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, which is a big, big job. Yeah. But until then it had been kind of everybody, you know, focused on their, their county or their city doing it. There had been no mandated group looking at this group of 54 counties to say, what does the plan look like moving forward? And so that's why sort of, that's who we are. That's why we were created. And that is what drives our work kind of each and every day. Awesome. And you mentioned it there. Uh, it was, it's called the blueprint. 
um, yeah. of, of SOAR and what you guys are focusing on. So uh, there's seven of them, and I'm not sure we're going to have time to hit on all of them. I want to hit on the most important ones during this conversation. So I'm just going to kind of read through these seven areas of focus, and then we're going to come back to uh, the ones that we that we really want to hit on deep here. Um, so going through these, uh, it kind of starts off, and it seems like it kind of flows down um, through these. So starting off is internet access, so broadband. This is one we talked about a lot on Middle Tech. Um, tourism, the 21st century workforce, um, entrepreneurship, health, uh, industry, and regional food systems. So all of those are, are focuses that, you know, there's different companies and different initiatives that are doing some really awesome things uh, around Kentucky right now. And uh, we'll hit on as many of them as we can during this conversation. But let's start with the internet access and the broadband and getting that last mile on that connectivity that, that we were discussing a little bit before we started recording here. Uh, so what does it look like now? What's the current state of broadband in Kentucky and, and where are we trying to get it to? Well, there's a reason it's at the top of the blueprint because pretty sure. much everything falls underneath it because everything so depends on it. And um, it was b- important before the pandemic. Um, it's hard to, it, other than life and death. And again, I'm not trying to, to be, to over-exaggerate it, but it's, you know, if you can't get connected, you, I mean, you can't go to school. You can't. Uh, it's like oxygen it. for business. It, it it really is, and um, you know, traditionally, and according to the to the FCC, and there's a lot of people that have, have talked about this. Uh, I think there's about uh, you know one in four, or one in five uh, Americans in rural America, you know, don't have access to high speed internet, and by the FCC's definition, which the FCC only defines broad high speed broadband as 25 megs down and three megs up, which isn't killer, yeah, right, and so it's it's so critical. Um, that we get it done. And I think the ultimate outcome that we want is, you know, it's really easy to, to cherry pick areas where there's some population density, right? Because, you know, one of the main problems with broadband is it, it it's a very, it's a, it, it takes heavy investment. There's a lot of upfront um, infrastructure that's required to get it done, specifically fiber to the home, mm-hmm. fiber optic, which is yeah. the best, you know, it's, it's so far and above any other of our traditional hardwired, you know, from like DSL copper wiring, you know, fiber optic cable gives you so much more at its higher speeds and capacity like bandwidth. Um, but it's expensive. I mean, it's, you know, a good way to estimate it is for every mile of fiber cable that you lay, it's about $50,000 to lay that fiber. Oh my gosh. So yeah, do that. That's crazy. Do that math. And what makes rural areas really challenging. Now, if you lay in Lexington, you can make a business case for it because you can lay a mile at fifty thousand dollars. You may service thirty houses yeah. in a mile or more. Yeah. Well, that's not the case for rural Harlan County or rural Pike County or rural Johnson County. There may only be six people, five, six people. So it's in you know, the pure economic sense of the word. And I know you guys probably took some some business. Class. It's a market failure of why it's that void has been left there because the private sector on its own. You know, do they don't have, have an incentive to do it ever. I mean, they, yeah. they answer to, you know, they're, they're, they have stockholders they answer to, yeah. and it's not, they're yep. now going to recoup that investment. And so the current state is though, is we've got, we've got pretty good framework. You know, the, the, there's a state project that Kentucky wire, I'm not sure if you guys have heard mm-hmm. of that. And um, it's been around for a little bit and there's been investment. They have what they've built out, what's called the middle mile piece of the fiber optic. So it's a ring around the state. So there's a presence of Kentucky wired in every state. And so, I'm not an expert. I've, I've kind of become a geek on it. So I've started this, but you know, essentially the internet, you start with kind of the internet itself connecting to this middle mile ring, which is kind of the backbone. The, the middle mile is built, but now we're at the last mile piece, which is to residential and businesses. It's also the most expensive piece, right? Um, so, you know, we've got people that, that are working on it. You know, there's, there's municipalities and counties that are, that are trying to tackle this, um, we have large telecommunication providers, the AT&T's inspections of the world in the area that are that are working on this. We also have a lot of really successful um, nonprofit cooperatives in the region that have have taken the hold to make the investment to make it happen. And so kind of the current state of it is it's good in some areas, not great in others. Mm-hmm. Um, but the end outcome has to be, you know, blanketed, blanketed coverage. And so. Our job in that is going to be to working with our partners because, you know, SOAR is um, at its core. It's not that we're out trying to do all this ourselves. Really, you know, we're the clearinghouse for all, for everything having to do with what's on our blueprint for Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia, Kentucky. So we want to empower our ecosystem partners, the people that that do the work and make sure that the progress 
is made and to get the right people in the right room. And so, you know, broadband is a perfect example of that. So we have all these people kind of cooks in the kitchen. And I think our role is going to be trying to make sure everybody stays organized and focused on what their piece of the equation should be and to try to, to get consensus around what that is. And so you guys will be on the lookout and make sure you guys can help us promote it. But kind of the very first step is is mapping hmm. broad, where broadband is currently. So broadband, from from what I understand, is different in a lot of traditional utilities like gas lines or water lines where you could go to the county government office and see where those are. Or you've, you've seen, it says, call 811 before you dig for hmm. gas lines. Broadband is considered proprietary information, so you don't have to release where it is. So mm-hmm. one of the hardest parts, too, on top of the cost has been not exactly knowing where it's needed most, both from where wow. it doesn't exist today and where there's demand for it. And that's been a hard project, but there's a, there's a, uh, there's a, there's, we're, we're close to getting it mapped and there should be some information coming out at the state level, um, hopefully to, to be able to do it in a way that's, um, kind of directly, uh, through households and speed tests and things like that. And, and we're going to need help getting the word out, um, to make sure we have the, the amount of uh, responses from folks across the region to make the results statistically significant. So be on the lookout for that. So that's sure. kind of step one. And then from there, um, it's, it's going to be sore helping to kind of craft the plan and, and supporting our partners that are working on this issue, like local government leaders, the USDA, um, the Center for Rural Development, which is in Somerset and houses a lot of the physical fiber itself, Kentucky Wired, our telephone cooperatives, our rural electric cooperatives. I mean, it's going to take all of us to pull this off, but it's as important as anything. I'm serious in my lifetime. I mean, if SOAR can, can be a part of this solution and say that we helped blanket Eastern Kentucky in high-speed broadband, it's as much of an impact as back when the TVA was founded and electricity spread into the rural. It's the 100%. same exact impact. Oh, yeah. 100%. So that's why it's at the top of that list. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's pretty much what's been consuming me yeah. since I started. One of the craziest parts of what you just said there is that we don't even know where broadband is running. That seems like trying to solve a problem. That's like trying to, I don't even <laughs> sail on the ocean without a map. I don't know. Like not even knowing yeah. where, where you're trying to solve the problem. That's, that's a heavy task to be solving. And, you know, just to emphasize the importance of it, and we're going to, we're probably going to say several more times how important this is. The way I put it in this article I wrote was that the land of opportunity, you know, it used to be, still is, America. You'd come to America, you'd come to a physical place. Now the land of opportunity is, it's online. It's a virtual place. If you cannot get online, if you can't do online education, if you can't work remotely, if you can't just even go online and interact with other people all the way across, across the world. Some of the interactions that Evan and I have been able to have online, you know, that is a huge opportunity for us and for us being in this area. It is literally, it, it's might as well be life and death at this point. It's going to, if you're not able to have internet access, you're going to be sunk so far into poverty and it's just, it's on an exponential curve. The further technology advances and the further the state progresses down that path, if you don't have the connection, it's, you're screwed. Like it is Well, and it, it's terrible. expensive, you know, the upfront now, but the opportunity cost, if you don't do it, mm-hmm. is way more expensive. <laughs> yeah. even though you may not, you may not see that now. And so here's the thing though. Everybody knows how important it is. It's not that we're making the case for why the investment needs to be made. Mm. Now the question is turned into how do we do it? Yeah. And so we have a lot of great local government leaders, mayors, county judges that understand how important it is to their communities because guess what? It's already in some communities. Um, you know, we Jackson County, yeah. for example, um, Clay County has their gigabit cities. They have some of the fastest internet in the country. The country. Think about that. In, in McKee, Kentucky, in Jackson County, Kentucky. And what it's able that community to do um, from just getting people to move in there and work from home, but also it's also changed and brought in remote work opportunities that have, it's hard to, you know, we'll never understand what it means that, you know, say a, 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 a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad no longer have to travel and commute to a job that may pay, you know, somewhere around minimum wage. And now they get to stay at home and work remotely double their salary with benefits and have a career growth. That That is what broadband has allowed in communities through our partnership with Teleworks USA. And so like it's, it's, we, ha- we already have people that have been successful that have given us the social proof that it can happen. So now it's trying to scale that and, 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 and paint the picture in a couple of models of how it gets done. It kind of seeing it through. And 
store has to be the organization that's continuing to to stand out with a megaphone and kind of beat the drum of no, or it's too hard, it's too expensive. We've got to find a way. We've got to find a way. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, kind absolutely. Of, kind, of, kind of where it is. And this is um, this is what I kind of wrote the blog about. Maybe maybe it's had some thought given to it, but it's a relatively new technology. Is there any consideration for using Starlink's system once it yeah. becomes online? I figured you guys had asked me about that. Yeah. So I think um, one of the cool things about Starlink, um, first off, of anything, anybody thinking outside, any anybody that's trying to solve this problem, especially you know the likes of Elon Musk, right, getting involved, uh, all all for it. Yeah. <laughs> in, in in the in the inter, you know, the, if you think about Starlink and let yourself, you know, think about best case scenario, you know, a lot of that upfront cost is well, again, getting the satellites in space. I'm sure is expensive, but it prevents you from having to lay the physical infrastructure, mm-hmm. right, which makes it such a, an attractable option, and and so. You know, I think there was a there was a, a, a round of auction. So the federal government does different ways to sell bandwidth and, and, and try to and encourage investment in rural areas. And there was this round of it's called RDOF, and uh, I'm not exactly sure what that stands for, but <laughs> uh, they they just divvied out towards the end of 2020 a big chunk of change. And, and Starlink was the biggest winner of that auction. I think they took home something like 885 million. Now, yep. what from what I've read and researched, it sounds like that the cost I and mean, that's a drop in the bucket for what it's going to take to get what the 1200 or 12,000 mm-hmm, 12,000 LEO satellites that they need up. But what it showed is, is that they learned how to play the game in DC as far as how to win in those auctions. Mm-hmm. That's been traditionally focused around large tier one communication providers. Um, you know, I think that technology is still pretty nascent. I still think that, you know, they, it's not even, I think it's active. Maybe they're beta testing it in some areas. Yeah, you have to be super rural, super yeah. remote, up so. in Canada or something. Yeah, like and that. I, I read in Great Washington. Britain too, and, and they've read some. You know, they've ran some speed tests, and I, I think that's something they've got two hundred and fifty you know megs, which is that's mm-hmm. functional internet. Yep. Um, here's what I'd say: I don't think we have the time to wait until that's perfected, for sure. Um, and making an investment in fiber to the home, that 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 technology in itself, that's the best that we have. Mm-hmm. So. Starlink can absolutely be a part of, of the equation. And, and the cool part about you can never have too much broadband. If, 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 you, if you look into it, you see what's super important to companies. They talk a lot about redundancy and backhauls. You know, you, you, in, take Toyota in Georgetown, for example. They don't just have one broadband provider. They have multiple and multiple pathways in case something drops, mm. right? They don't shut down an assembly line <laughs> that costs, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars per, per minute. Yeah. So, you know, even if Starlink becomes part of that equation, it doesn't mean that fiber to the home is going to be completely outdated. For sure. Right? But I'm all for getting people like Elon Musk in the room to solve a problem that plagues eastern Kentucky right. um, and sees that it's important. I just think I don't know the timeline of what that looks like. I don't think we had that much time to wait around and wait yeah. for it. Well, I, the, the way I like to think of it is like Swiss cheese, layering on Swiss cheese. You know, you got holes in the Swiss cheese and maybe broadband still has a couple holes in it. And then you layer on Starlink and that covers up most of the holes. And then the more you invest into this broadband throughout the state, you're going to finally get it to where there's that blanket that we we're talking about, yeah. which is which is so important. So uh, moving on from broadband, that's obviously one of the most important I'm going to let you decide where you want to take it from there in terms of the next uh, stop yeah, on the blueprint. Yeah, put me on the spot, huh? Yeah, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you yeah. the conversation. Take where you want. This is your platform. Well, I would love to talk a little bit about the opportunity. Well, one, uh, and this kind of leads into talking about tourism, but you know, I think in Eastern Kentucky, probably the number one problem, and really, it's it's not just Eastern Kentucky. It's probably to an extent Kentucky, but definitely Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia, Kentucky. It's just perception, mm-hmm. and and when I think yep. about like. What soar should be completely focused on at the highest level as far as what our mission should be? Um, no, nothing more important than being the number one promoter, cheerleader, advocate for all things Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia, Kentucky. Um, the same way that you've talked with your, some of your guests, you know, Jonathan Webb and the team at App Harvest, the, the folks at New Frontier, all these people that are making Eastern Kentucky swaggy, making it a, a great place to be. Because it's the truth, yeah, and and doing and taking control of that narrative, um, that that is that is the number one thing that we have to do a better job of moving forward. Because you know what happens is is when folks from our area don't tell that story, somebody else does, mm-hmm. and usually it's somebody from outside the region. Yeah. And when they tell that story, 
what they do is they tell it in a way that it benefits whatever narrative they're trying to put or whatever is, is, is best in their interests. And most of the time that means that Eastern Kentucky is not, you know, shine in a, in a positive light. And listen, I'm not, that doesn't mean that we, we run away. We have problems that we need to solve and things aren't great, but that doesn't mean that those should always take front and center from the good stuff that's happening. So, you know, I think that's at the top of, you know, source core responsibilities and what should drive everything we do should be in that lens. And also, you know, connecting the dots again, there's a lot of counties in Kentucky, 120, right? Our SOAR region has 54. All of those counties and cities and communities want to get better, want to improve, want to develop, want to offer their folks more opportunities, want their citizens to be healthy, want their, their people to be trained, want to have great education. But their mandate is for just their city itself or their community itself or their county itself. So nobody is really looking at the high level picture of what does it look like to promote and advance our region as a whole. So when I say connecting the dots, right, we're unique in that we're situated. Our mandate was to look out for all of Eastern Kentucky. So when you think about education or when you think about tourism or when you think about broadband, how can we be the team that's ultimately connecting what Williamsburg's doing with Somerset or what Somerset's doing with Stanton and Powell County one, making sure that nobody's working against each other, but also always making the case for why when we work together and cooperate and promote our region as a whole, why that's going to benefit you more than if you were doing it alone. Again, proving the ROI, right? And so you know, that perception battle and connecting the dots, we have a great opportunity right now in tourism, which is part of our, of our, our blueprint. And as I've gotten started in this job and I've went out into the region, everybody wants to talk about tourism for good reason, right? If you look at the trends that COVID has has brought and how people entertain and relax and unplug, it plays right into the Eastern yeah. Kentucky Appalachian region, the types of tourism. Big time. The Red River Gorge right now is so full. It's crazy, mm-hmm. right? Lake Cumberland, 4 million people a year, which is nuts to think about. Um, there's, there's so many anchor spots in, 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 in all the outdoor recreation, ATVs, rock climbing, kayaking, yurting, all the things that people can do. That's all that we have to offer. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we have such an opportunity to seize and it, 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 it shoots down, you know, it, you kill so many birds with one stone if you get tourism, right? Because it's an economic driver directly, right? You bring people into your region, they spend money, you circulate in the economy, you give local businesses, local restaurants, local shops the opportunity. You put more customers directly in their door, which is super, super important, right? But it helps perception because guess what? When you bring people from outside our region, heck, even in our re- even in Kentucky, right, to eastern Kentucky to see some things that they never even saw, you know, changes their mind about what they think of when they first think of eastern Kentucky. And then guess what? More than likely, they're going to interact with folks from, from Eastern Kentucky and from Appalachia. It's crazy how quickly people become just rabid fans. I, I talked to somebody yesterday. He's a, a, a healthcare a hospital CEO uh, in, in Eastern Kentucky, and uh, he had moved here about 18 months ago from Louisiana. It was crazy hearing his transformation of coming here and it, talking about it's a hidden gem. I, wouldn't, I want to retire here when I recruit physicians, it's so easy because once I bring them here, it's a no brainer in their families. Tourism does that. And the hard part's done for us. The hard part is the millions of years that it takes to actually form mountains and hills and and rivers. And that's the hard part. We're blessed with that. Now we just have to get the right people in the right room to put the right plan together on the tourism front. But, you know, I just think I grew up in, you're from small town Kentucky area. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to do. There's literally so much to do that it's crazy and so many things to see. We have to tell people what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And to that to that point, what are you guys putting in place? Because you know perception and attracting tourism. You know ultimately that comes back to some form of media. So is that being discussed? You know that's oh, yeah. kind of what you know on a micro level that we're trying to do with Middle Tech is like there's all these hidden. Yeah. Hen gyms and startups around here. Yeah. So how are you guys, you know, talking about solving that perception yeah. and letting those, you know, hidden gyms be known around yeah. Kentucky, like you said, but also outside of Kentucky? What's being discussed? Yeah, any type of strategic. I mean, you've just got to show up first and start talking yeah. about it, which is what we're doing here today. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys have 
again, seeing the growth and the, the, what you guys have been able to do. I mean, it's, it's been inspiring. And I think on, on tourism, that's the same thing is, is one, I think you have to put together all the assets that you have and kind of group them in similar groups and think about how you want to, to, to promote them. Right. Um, you know, at our summit, uh, our virtual summit this year, we had, um, one of our core pieces of content was a video blogging or a video series where uh, we worked with a group called the Holler Creative out of Corbin and they went around certain, you know, the Gorge Underground and a few other sites and they just kind of, it was really authentic. I think the marketing um, theme of 2020 was, was, was authenticity. Mm-hmm. You think about, oh, yeah, I, think about sure. I think about the ocean spray guy, right? Yeah. Just the real live <laughs> clip of, you don't even have to say anything. You just it's people crazy. just feel it. And yeah. I think our videos did that at the summit, but you know, what was missing, I think, and I think where the follow-up can be this year is, is, is putting together physical things where you string together how people can spend more than one day in Eastern Kentucky. And so, you know, crafting specific packages, um, for if you want to kayak or if you want to camp, or if you want to go riding four wheelers, which is a, a big deal, or if you want to have family oriented activities, and try to start at those anchor points, right? I mean, again, 4 million people to Lake Cumberland, a bunch of people to the Red River Gorge. I don't know if you guys knew this. Did you know, like, Eastern Kentucky has, I think, outside of maybe somewhere in the Rocky Mountains, has the largest elk population. I have no and, idea we even had elk here. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and and there's some good work on some sites that are going on that that's going to be a, a massive, a massive win. So I think where you start is – you get an idea of how you want to group things together. And then our role in that is, you know, we want to bring all the players together that are working on this kind of in the same room to talk about why working together and why we promote these, you know, in a cooperative way. We all, our messaging needs to be the same. It needs to be consistent. And so, you know, we're doing a lot of work online ourselves and you're getting a little bit more organized from a website standpoint, kind of putting everything under one central location um, you know, making sure that our, our email marketing lists are up to date and we're, we're doing a good job on, on social media of getting important information out, you know, quickly, effectively in front of the right people, mm-hmm. right? And, 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 and constantly with the same messaging, which is, you know, something along the lines of this is a great place to be. If you haven't been here, if you haven't visited here, you need to come, come see it for yourself. You won't regret it. We know you'll be back. It's got to be very positive. It's got to be very um, like almost like a no brainer. Right. And so, you know, we're going to do that by how our presence is and, and trying to have one consistent messaging and, and getting buy in from the region. And that's why getting the right people in the right room that are working on it, you have to get that buy in for it mm-hmm. to really get legs. One cool thing I've seen some cities do is they'll, um, you know, there's this influencer marketing movement and they'll find somebody that is an influencer in the outdoor space and they'll, you know, say, hey, we've got some free attractions. We'll pay for your, your attractions here. Come videotape it and then share it. Um, I, I could see that that working well. Um, because you've got to have, you know, that's authenticity and that's showing off, you know, what, what you're doing in a region. And, you know, that made me think like for, for elk, you know, I don't know anything about elk, but is that like a hunting attraction? It's a preserve. You ride them. You ride the elk. Yeah, right. It's a preserve. <laughs> yeah. It's the, 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 uh, Appalachian Wildlife Foundation, uh, is, is the name of, you can go check it out. And, um, it's, it's kind of in the works and, Elk are really big. I know that, but it's, it's, it's a preserve, but it's mm-hmm. a big time attraction and you know, where it's situated, it's, it's kind of right off of I-75 mm-hmm. and it's getting people to, to get off 75 and go 25, I believe is the road and do, you know, a different way. And actually what they see is in that area where that preserve is, is working on being is that, um, the road, a lot of people take that road anyway, because it, it gets them down into, I think on the way to Asheville and some other mm-hmm. areas through mm-hmm. there. So people are, the traffic's already there. So it can, it can become an, an anchor spot. So that's something to, uh, to look out for. The cool part about, you mentioned influencers. we got a lot of great ones. I mean, you're, you're looking at some influencers on your head right there. Oh, with yeah. The new frontier guys. Yeah, for you sure. Know, Jonathan Webb's been a, a tremendous advocate for Eastern Kentucky. Think about the country music highway guys. Yeah. Uh, oh, Tower yeah, totally. Childers. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we've worked with, um, you know, uh, you know, Chris Stapleton's people, you know, he gives back to the region a lot. Sturgill Simpson. I mean, all those, we, we've got some great influencers and there's no doubt. I mean, they're, they're sons of Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. Right? And, and they, and they've done, they do a lot for the region that people have, you know, don't have any idea about that, yeah. they're, that they're there and active. So we've got the right influencers to, to be able to, to, to spread that message. Um, and it, you know, even if, if folks from Eastern Kentucky leave, they never forget about it. They're always thinking of ways, whether they're, you know, in Lexington, Louisville, 
across the, the country or, or the world, they're always looking for worthwhile projects to be able to come in and, and give back. And we're fortunate to have that because that's not the same for, for, for everywhere. And we have a, a very loyal, passionate group of people that really want to see the, the region continue to thrive. And so that's a good idea. Yeah. And, and back to, you know, the, the marketing stuff, um, as far as your all's organization uh, and just the government and Eastern Kentucky in general, when it comes to marketing, are you guys outsourcing that or there, is there a team internally that's doing that? Well, how do you guys allocate you know, resources towards marketing? Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of, you know, we have ecosystem partners that provide a lot of those digital marketing services, for example. So, you know, I mentioned the, the Hauer Creative, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, BitSource, which is a company in Pikeville, Mountaintop Media, S Media okay. in, in, in London. You know, I have, you know, I have business and innovation champions in 42 of our 54 counties. And, and part of their, you know, is to support the, and I'm sure we'll talk about entrepreneurship, but some existing small business owners, people that are looking to own businesses. And when they have a need for digital marketing services, we want to be a connecting point, right? So, you know, we have somebody on staff that that does that work for us. Her name's Hannah. She's our, our digital marketing or digital media coordinator, right? But, you know, also probably at a bigger level than that, we're working every day with on the ground with small business owners that need that type of help and try to source that capacity domestically, mm-hmm. right. To keep those dollars in our region, give those businesses an opportunity to continue to thrive and to support. Uh, and we've been really successful doing that in, in marketing and web presence, as you can imagine, is probably the number one referral that we, that we make in, in the biggest need. Because again, you're talking about some of the trends in pandemic. If you're a retail store, yeah, you have to be able to compete online and have it have some sort of e-commerce revenue stream because if not it's going to be really really hard to survive um yeah let's transition to you know entrepreneurship uh and some of the things you guys are doing you, you mentioned you mentioned it there connecting them to these digital service providers but talk about entrepreneurship in the region and what it looks like now and what you're hoping to you know augment and help going in forward yeah well it's a it's a big piece of 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 what we're doing and creating that ecosystem and, and support but also do it in a way, just to be honest, where you're, you're, everybody can kind of talk the talk and say the big words, right? But is, is there really that type of activity that's, that's going on? And, and we feel like there, there is in Eastern Kentucky. And, um, you know, we're uh, kind of like we're here in Austin Inc. today. We're, we're part of the Kentucky Innovation you know, Network and uh, kind of the hub for, for Eastern Kentucky. And so that's what allows us to have the field reps kind of in the region, our business and innovation champions that kind of spread throughout that. But you know, Eastern Kentucky is at a different place than I think Lexington and, and Louisville. I mean, Lexington and Louisville, especially. I mean, you guys had the folks from Poplar on to, to talk about. You know, there's, and I, I work with Amplify, or I've spoken with with yep. Larry at, at yep. Amplify, and um, you know, he's at the place. They're at the place. You know, they have a lot of business in the pipeline. They're at that stage where they're they're seeking funding, mm-hmm. right? We have some of those too, but we're more at the lines where we're just trying to cr- get that pipeline of entrepreneurs there, which is, it's hard to create mm-hmm. that sort of network. And I think about that conversation you guys had with uh, Alex Lazaro um, yeah. when he came on and he talked about those three things from his book, like, um, you know, resources and risk. And I think those are two really important themes to talk about with respect to, you know, entrepreneurship. I think you know, as a whole, we have to do a better job of, of disseminating the message, especially in schools that, just because you're born in Eastern Kentucky in an Eastern Kentucky County or an Appalachian Kentucky County doesn't mean that you're any less likely to have the next good idea. For sure. You, I mean, it just is, you know, you think about what separates people on the coast. It's just from the moment that is seen, like it's drilled in their head that this is a, a real pathway. People do it all the time. You know, we have to do a good job of, and that's hard. How do you measure that? You know, it, it's hard to know, but you have to show up every day and, and, and do your best and, and ultimately try to measure it. But it's through things like this. It's it's through marketing yourself as, you know, from a tourism standpoint, as a, as a, a desirable area to get some buzz and momentum and get people excited. Again, where a lot of those dominoes, they kind of self-feed itself. And so I think, you know, resources is one way. And that's that's what we've brought to the table in trying to build that 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 ecosystem and provide resources for existing small business owners, folks that want to start a small business, understanding the resources that are around them and some of our other ecosystem partners, right? Whether that's from a funding or workforce development, things like that. I also think risk is, you know, an important concept to think about because in talked about on that episode, a risk for somebody, you know, in, in the Valley or the coast, like 
they've got other options, right? So it's easy and you can kind of come in with a mindset of I'm going to give it all and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to fail, but you know, they know back of their minds that even if they do, they probably got another option. And, you know, Eastern Kentucky is, is, you know, there's, they don't have a whole lot to risk. There's a lot of folks that grow up and, you know, there's, there's just, you know, if they risk something, it's, it's everything. And so I think that's been a, a something that's like, a, a, you know, maybe held up or, or kind of halted the, the growth there to think about because there's just not been a lot of leeway to, to yeah. give there. And so, you know, our efforts are kind of focused on, on trying to create that pipeline of entrepreneurs and working with the partners in our, in, in our area. I know you guys are, your your season four sponsored by the folks at, at land betterment. And, you know, I've had conversations with those guys there that are trying to be a part of that, that solution and, and putting really their money where their mouth is and, and making the right type of investments, you know, you know, and um, so trying to, to, to make sure that we're all spinning around the same message, um, working together cooperatively to kind of create this. And then, when we start to see the first signs of, of, of those seeds sprouting, like we are making sure we blanket those folks and resources and give them the best type of technical assistance so that we can get more success stories like app harvest. Hmm. Right. Which, I mean, they, Jonathan's incredible. His team's incredible, but it just allows us to talk about how that's possible in our region. Again, social proof that it's happening. So that's kind of where we are in pitch competitions and just trying to generate some buzz around that. This is a legitimate thing that you can do, especially now, where, you know, a house is more than just a house. It's also an office, yeah. doctor's office, everything. Yeah. And that's kind of where a lot of our efforts are focused on, if that if that answers the question. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's so ingrained in what we're trying to do here at Middle Tech. You know, we spoke just last night. This is actually going to be the first episode of uh, season four. I guess the audience will have already listened to it by now. But talking to Space Tango, a company that is literally sending automated science experiments into space via SpaceX into the International Space Station is happening in Lexington, Kentucky. Why are we not thinking that, like, why is everyone not talking about that? Yeah. And, you know, that was a problem that Evan identified early on when he was at Fuji and thankfully did. Uh, and, you know, we've gotten to four seasons of this and I think the market has kind of responded and said, yes, this is a needed, a needed thing. So the more we can talk to the listeners who are who are coming up in through high school and wondering, you know, what's my career path? What am I going to be doing? It it took me a while to understand that entrepreneurship and this kind of startups and technology path was a legitimate path. Yeah. You know, the more you can kind of hammer that home and understand that you don't have to go and be the doctor or lawyer, that's definitely a great path. And there's people who are going to flourish in that for sure. But this path of entrepreneurship is one that cannot be discounted. It's one that we have to rep really hard here. It's really hard because, um, it takes generations to, you know, ingrain entrepreneurship into a culture. You know, it's just a mindset thing. You can't just say, I want entrepreneurship to exist in Kentucky right now. And like, it's going to happen. Like there's got to be examples. There's got to be a whole ecosystem surrounding it. And ultimately you just got to foster a mindset of what it means to be an entrepreneur. So that people want to take that leap and take the risk that you mentioned. It just takes, you know, again, it takes generations. It takes a number of uh, strategic moves to ingrain that into a region um, and the regions that are ahead of us, you know, on the coast, it's been a lifestyle for them for, you know, since the internet was started and even, you know, before then in a lot of ways. So it just takes a long time. And I think, you know, we'll figure it out, um, but, you know, it's really hard. So, you know, it's, you know, it's a applaud to you and, and anybody that's trying to solve that problem, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to do it on a micro level, but anybody at a macro level, at a government level, I can't imagine how hard that would be because it's a long term, you know, like you said, seeing results, the work you put in to foster entrepreneurship, you're not going to see results for a long time. Yeah. And that could be frustrating. Like, well, I is. can imagine fitting yeah. in your shoes. You well, know? Again, I, I've thought a lot about that. So, I, you know, I, I take home with me is how, what's the metrics behind the metric? You know, yeah. we can talk about money raised. We can talk about, you know, startups created and startups that, that exited. Right. But like that is, there's going to be time on that. So like, how do you know, you know, to get to those, how do you know you're moving the needle in the right way on mm-hmm. a, on a daily basis? And, but there's some things we can, I mean, again, the first step is always just showing up. You know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm going to hear it to the belief that, you know, 80% of life is just showing up yeah. and, and giving your best. And, uh, you know, ultimately it comes down to the outcomes, but I mean that you have to start there and just creating activity and buzz. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's where we are. And I also think too, that, you know, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs, I think there's a lot out there that wouldn't say they're an entrepreneur, but that, that are, you know. Yeah. Obviously, technology, advanced technology, advanced manufacturing, space, tango, aerospace, you know, that's 
traditionally kind of connected with being an entrepreneur, but I, I would think about just anybody that's gone oh, yeah. out on their own and taken an idea and ran yes. with it and made a business out of well, it. Well, if you got a retail store, you know, it yeah. could be anything. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, so I think we have to broaden the base for, you know, we're playing, it, it, it's, it's different here, right. Than what it looks like, you know, in San Francisco, we're going to have different types of companies, but it takes the same basic business principles to get something you know, going and, and making money and acquiring customers, no matter how you do it or in what industry. Such an important point. Yes. All right. So let's, let's take it into um, one of these last bullet points we're going to have time for here. That's along the blueprint and that's regional food systems. And just want to get into that because we've mentioned it a couple of times app harvest yeah. and how important of, of a project that is. So one, how is that achieved? Is it, is it things like app harvest or is it going to take more of a, a collaborative effort outside of that? Talk a little bit about what source focus is in, re, in regards to building that regional food system. Yeah, well, I think ag tech is a, is a big, you know, I, I, when I kind of think about, you know, and SOAR is you know, not economic development in itself, but really trying to make sure that the, the EDOs, the economic development organizations in our region are kind of working together, right, and kind of the same things. And I think about buckets, I think about the industries, right, that we don't even know are going to come like the ones that we're not sure that there's going to be brand new industry. I think about emerging nascent industries like ag tech. And I also think about the current industries where there's slack, meaning there's jobs that are created, things like healthcare, where there's crazy demand where they can't hire enough nurses or respiratory therapists and things like that, which a lot of people don't, in our, don't understand in our region is that job creation is important. Don't get me wrong, but there's also, there's a lot of opportunity that's out there in those types of sectors where you can go out and make a great living and benefits and live and be a productive member in Eastern Kentucky. And those jobs are there. We just don't have the right, but you know, looking at ag tech, right. Being a, a new base job driver or base um, industry, you know, it's just really exciting. And, you know, Eastern Kentucky has been a food desert for a lot of different, you know, just geography based, topography based. I mean, you can't do traditional agriculture really well in Eastern Kentucky because of, of the mountains and, as a result, that's why it's been a food, it's been hard. It's been hard to transport things in um, vegetables, produce, the the food that really sustains life and makes people you know, keeps them healthy and at the top of their game. Uh, it's expensive in Eastern mm -hmm. Kentucky. I mean, that's been a lot of the the driver for why there's been unhealthy habits over there. Is you can talk to your blue in the face about how important it is to have a balanced diet and and things like that. But when it comes down to it, if it's you know four x five x more expensive than food they can get and it's processed and things like that, or it just, it can't happen even no matter how much you want it. And so, you know, I think what Jonathan's doing, you know, it solves a direct problem in Kentucky, but also, you know, globally, you talk, I heard him talk yeah. about that, right. You know, by 2050, you've got to feed, you know, X more amount of people. We've got to find a different way to do it. And that stat he threw out on that, that podcast was crazy that outside the United States, the, the next largest agricultural exporter in the world was the Netherlands, yeah, which is, which is yeah. crazy. And yep. so, you know, I think COVID too has showed uh, in, um, you know, supply chain, how important domestic supply mm -hmm. chains are, uh, healthcare and PPE. We I heard you guys talk about that with, uh, with Handle Global, those guys over in Louisville, um, but also food. A lot medicine. of it's, you know, controlling your own destiny. Yeah. You know, a lot of what America has done, you know, in the past 20 years has been outsourcing it to other countries. And now what we're starting to realize is we want to own our own destiny. So we did it with oil, we did it with energy. You know, we're, we're going to have to do with food. Uh, and there's a lot of other things that we're going to have to do to own our own future and our independence. Uh, and that's even at a regional level, you know, just in Kentucky. Um, you know, we're going to have to do that. All different yeah. parts of the world are going to have to own their own. But I mean, you, you know, those those resources, you know, it's also been more than just about food or just about oil, right? That's yeah. been a diplomatic measure as yeah, yeah. well. But, uh, you know, app harvest, right? If, if you can come and find a way to grow tomatoes or leafy greens, in a way that's closer, you're, you're much closer to Eastern Kentucky. Of course, that helps. That takes down the transport costs, right, to get it to, to market and also does in a way, you know, I would imagine it's much more economically viable and, and, and sustainable and regenerative. Um, so, yeah, I, I think as much as we can support app harvest and, and controlled environmental agriculture like they talk about, yep. that, that would help to alleviate. Because I tell you what, we haven't done too well with traditional agriculture, right, in, in, in solving that problem. Um, and if this is the way to do it and it encourage it maybe on a micro level with folks that can, can, can go and, and grow a garden that way, which they do a lot of outreach into through shipping containers, right. At, at local schools, which is pretty cool. Um, absolutely. I think that's something that, that, that can kind of feed in and, and kind of check that, that piece of the blueprint off. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about a lot of really inspirational, 
uh, things that are going on in Kentucky. I mean, I'm sitting here and it's like a lot of this is just gets me so fired up. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to feel the exact same way. They're going to feel really fired up and they're going to say, what can I do? How can I, how can I be a part of this? Can, what are some ways that people listening can help? What if just off the top of your head, how can an average listener help out with with what we're trying to accomplish here, with what you're trying to accomplish at SOAR? Well, I, I would say, you know, for anybody that's in the SOAR region or Eastern Kentucky, um, if you need something, if you have a question, if you're not sure where to go, we want to be thought of as the clearinghouse for all things Appalachia, Kentucky. Not because we're trying to take the credit or be everything to everybody, but you know, we've really built the right support network and a, again, ecosystem of all the different partners. There's so many people that are doing great work in Eastern Kentucky from all those things on the blueprint, mm-hmm. workforce development, tourism, <clears throat> but it can get a little overwhelming for, for a, a normal person to, to, to try to put together whose piece of the pie and puzzle this is. So, you know, if you're in a region, you need help. If you're a business owner, uh, get connected with us, reach out to us. Uh, is is where we kind of talk about our our group of field reps, our business innovation champions that are that are in the region, make sure you know who that person is. I mean, and and, and utilize them and leverage them. That's why they're there, mm-hmm. right? And we have to make sure we, we bring them to you. But if, if you're in the area and you need help, go there. Um, start there. Uh, also on, on there'safuture.com, um, there's a great way to, to look at the blueprint, um, to look at some of the work, the proof, the impact report that we have. Um, there's a there's a there's a donate tab. You know, we, we are a nonprofit. We're a 501c3, right? And so, you know, ultimately we're we're also you know very um, conscious of the fact that every dollar and resource that we get, we have to make sure that we're we're taking that and applying it in the most effective way that's going to drive the most impact possible. And so, you know, there's those are the places I would start, right? Um, is by thinking of us when there is a need if you're in the region, and then checking us out online to, to see about some of the things that you're doing and if you have ideas. Mm-hmm. around things that align with our blueprint, right? Reach out to us because we're really, really passionate every day about about making those things a reality and um, lifting our partners up too that are doing that work. Yeah. Um, because again, we don't care about who gets the credit. We're just in there trying to be a part of the solution. And uh, we want the people that are really on the front lines doing it to, to have the platform that they need to reach the people that they need. Absolutely. And I saw on your website, you guys have a way to, to, I think it was called become a partner of, of SOAR and then you can do it on an individual basis. So go check that out. You know, yeah. if, if you're listening to this and you want to find a way to get in touch, go and go and explore that website for sure. Um, so to, to close us out here, we always like ending on a forward looking statement. Um, so let's do kind of a, a two double forward looking statement here. Let's, I want to hear the forward looking statement on SOAR and then the forward looking statement on this region to, to close us out. Well, I think the, we'll start with the region. I think the forward looking statement on the region is that you know, our best days are yet to come. And we've had some good days. I mean, you're talking about the region that fueled the industrial revolution for the United States. Uh, I mean, people don't talk about that enough. I mean, because of coal, because of the power that, that we helped the, the, the United States generate, it, it fueled everything. It was the baseline. It was the energy source, right? And so um, that's where we were. We were critical to, to everything that was that was there. And as as we look ahead for a region, right, yeah, we're at a pivot point um, and we've gotten to it and, and, and there's, there's, you know, people uh, can say what they want to, but the idea that we've gotten through it, but surviving in itself is not enough anymore, right? We've got to find a way to continue to close the opportunity gap and to kind of rewrite the script and take control of that narrative of how we present ourselves externally to the rest of the country and the world, but also how we feel about ourselves. Because I think that's super important, too, to think about when we allow somebody else to control the narrative, and that's what we listen to on a day-to-day basis, that that seeps inside of us as well. So we have to believe that, right? And we have to say that over and over again and get people to buy in and lift up and elevate the success stories that we have as the region as a whole and not see it as a zero-sum game, the fact that, hey, if good things are happening in Boyd County or Rowan County, right, or Menifee County or Rockcastle County, right? That doesn't mean that other counties outside of there are losing. We're all in this together, yeah. right? We're, we have to be. We have to be. The combined population of kind of the SOAR service area is somewhere around like 750,000 people. Put that on the scope of, of any city. You know, if we're working ice in an isolated ways, our impact can only go so far. We're going to get much more leverage if we come together. So I think for the region, that's kind of my forward-looking statement. And as for SOAR, it kind of falls right into that. I think we just want to be 
to do our part to, to be the, the regional organization that's driving that work forward. Yeah. Right. Um, because nobody else, you know, has the mandate that we have, which is to be that source for the region. So we have to live that up every day and we have to operate with urgency and we have to operate with an immense sort of source of pride. I, again, I, it's been kind of some pinch me moments. It's been a lot of work since I've started, but every day I feel like I get to wake up and put Eastern Kentucky on the back of, you know, the front of my Jersey. Right. And that's really cool to, to me, to be able to say that I'm part of this. I can't do it all on my own. I've got a, you know, we've got a great team. Sore can't do it all, but we're going to lift up and do our best that when there are those positive things that are happening, we're getting as much legs with it as we can to, to be a part of that narrative for the region that, dude, it's happening right now and it's going to continue to happen. So either get on the boat now or, or miss your chance to be a part of a, a really awesome revitalization story and, 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 and changing story over the next, you know, 10 to 20 years, whatever that looks like. So hopefully that was forward thinking. And that was uh, perfect, enough. man. So thank you so much for coming in here and doing this and talking about all these great things going on in, in the great home state of Kentucky. Um, we're super excited to have you in the position that you're in, uh, just your, your background and, and the way you speak about all these things and the energy you bring to it. Um, we're just proud that you're in the position you're in. So thank you again for coming. And doing yeah. This thanks space. for having me guys. I've had a lot of fun today.